Hey, Internet, welcome to Naval Gazing, the Valley Indie Podcast. My name is Eugene Driscoll. ValleyIndie.org is a one-person, nonprofit online newspaper based in Ansonia slash Derby, Connecticut. That's in uh, the lower Naugatuck Valley of the great state of Connecticut. So this is the second in a series I've started at Naval Gazing, the Valley Indie Podcast. I'm calling it the CT Invitational. I am inviting other podcast hosts from Connecticut to come on this podcast and talk about their show. I like podcasts. This podcast doesn't get a ton of listens. We can do anywhere from 100 to 2,000 downloads. It varies week by week. But to me, podcasts, and I talk about it a little in this episode, it's the opposite of social media. You know how a lot of times, at least my social media feeds and the way I use social media, I always end up either arguing with someone or being silently resentful at someone for what they posted on social media or more specifically, a comment on social media. That back and forth that happens uh, on Twitter and Facebook, I think can become unhealthy in a lot of ways. So the opposite of that is a podcast where people talk for an hour unfiltered and you get direct access to them and you hear their points of view in a way that just doesn't get fleshed out in a comment on a Facebook post. So anyway, that's my love of podcasts. My guest this week is Andrew Morgan. He is a stand-up comedian and the host of the NOMcast. NOM stands for Netflix original movies. Netflix is a huge force in our culture these days, the granddaddy of streaming services, and they're spending something like a billion dollars on original productions. And Andrew's podcast, The Nomcast, is dedicated exclusively to the original movies that get slapped with the Netflix brand. So without further ado, here's my interview with Andrew. My guest this week is CT Podcaster. I don't know why I said CT. Connecticut would have made more sense, but I'm awkward. <laughs> Connecticut stand-up comedian, Connecticut podcaster, Andrew Morgan, who has a podcast called Netflix Original Movies, short for the NOMCAST. Did I get that right, Andrew? Yeah, the NOMCAST. It's uh, the Netflix Original Movie Podcast. Yep. And what a great idea for a podcast. Uh, oh, thanks. The last couple of weeks here, I've had this idea for months just to have in uh, and talk to other podcasters in the state of Connecticut. Because one thing that's really cool about Connecticut, although we're a small state and I can barely uh, pay my bills and I'm sure I'll be out in the street uh, any second because it's so expensive to live here, we have a huge <laughs> array of of media, whether we have like 16 television stations, it's insane. We have 19,000 newspapers. Uh, you know, Valley Indy is a nonprofit 
online-only newspaper. There's a bunch of those in Connecticut as well. And right. now there is this great uh, sort of podcast community uh, springing up in Connecticut. So I guess first I'll ask you a, a little bit. Well, let's get the good stuff out of the way. Where can people <laughs> find the Nomcast? How can they follow you on Twitter, the Facebooks, all that good stuff? Uh, well, I'll start with the socials first because that's the easiest. So uh, the podcast is Nomcast Pod, N-O-M-C-A-S-T Pod, uh, on Twitter and Instagram. And I am on Twitter and Instagram uh, at jokes on Drew, and uh, yeah, and if you go to fistfulofjokes.com slash the nomcast, uh, sorry, the dash nomcast, uh, then you can find my podcast on there as well. That's the web hosting uh, portion of that. So, yeah, and of course, obviously, you know, subscribe to me uh, to the pod on any of the the major subscribers any i i get them from i get a listing of probably like 20 to 25 it seems like because uh, there's so many aggregates out there and everything mm-hmm. else but of course all the majors uh apple spotify uh they're all there stitcher so absolutely so, go out and subscribe there and then before we get into the netflix podcast you're doing fistful of jokes uh, yeah, that website. You're a stand-up comedian. It's you and another guy named Morgan. I assume that's your brother. That is my brother. Yeah. What's his name? Jerry. Okay, so it's you and Jerry Morgan. Yes. Uh, and where are you guys? Where do you live? And where are you from originally? Uh, uh, I'm. I was born and raised uh, West Haven, Connecticut. Uh, I recently moved to Milford because I'm better than them now. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I just moved to Milford. Hey, so sure, sure. Here. Come across as a snob to a Derby-based <laughs> podcast. They're, we're all going to love you. Derby and Ansonia is now going to love you. I tell you, I, you know, I do stand-up all over the state, and I tell you, anytime I do Valley shows, I do well, so... Say what you will about the Valley, whatever you want to say. I enjoy them. I used to work there for a while. I have no issues with the Valley. You guys are my people. I'm totally into it. All right. I'm glad we got that out of the way. I get into enough (laughs) trouble just on Facebook and Twitter all day. Right. Uh, So how long have you been doing uh, stand-up comedy? Because Fistful of Jokes came before the Nomcast, correct? Oh, yeah. So so I've been doing stand-up for about eight years now, uh, somewhere in that realm. So the way it started was my brother and I, uh, back obviously around that time, we decided we wanted to try our hand at stand-up comedy. My brother was coming from a musician background. He was in bands forever. And, uh, I actually still work in TV, but I also, uh, came from like a TV movie background and, but we always loved stand-up comedy. So we wanted to try it. Uh, so we went to Boston to do this weekend workshop thing. Uh, we did really well there. Uh, so we felt compelled to like keep going. So when we got back into Connecticut, uh, we started going to the now defunct Joker's Wild out of New Haven uh, and started going to all their open mics. And, and then a few months after that, we got uh, offered uh, a show that the uh, Cafe Nine in New Haven wanted us to run. So we started to run a monthly show out of there, and we decided to call it Fistful of Jokes. And then a few months after that, uh, one of the biggest promoters in Connecticut, shout out to Manic Presents, uh, they 
uh, asked us to help with a show for Tignataro at Cafe Nine. And then we just started a relationship from there. And now we, we do, uh, you know, comedy producing and event marketing for some of the biggest acts that come through Connecticut uh, in conjunction with College Street Music Hall in New Haven and Space Ballroom in Hamden. Uh, so basically, if they have a comedy show, we're, we're it. We're, we're the guys helping them out with that and, you know, trying to fill out the acts. And then, you know, uh, my brother and I did stand up during that whole time period. Uh, he recently just kind of pivoted to mostly doing podcasting, uh, but I'm still doing stand-up and podcasting and all that stuff. So stand-up comedy, like there's a total, I'm a complete ignoramus, you know. Sure. Uh, I mean, I listen to a lot of, the only podcasts I really listen to are the ones hosted by comedians. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I don't know why that is. I just, I mean, I guess because the, you know, stand-up comics are the greatest storytellers uh, yeah. on earth. I'd rather listen to two comics uh, talk about anything than some of these overproduced, like, uh, you know, cereal and then those type of highbrow pop. I guess I'm an idiot, whatever. Like I said, I'm an ignoramus. But I don't so, think you're alone. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. There's popular ones out there. There's a bunch of us. Uh, but so is it tough to uh, be like an independent? Are there a lot of independent clubs out there? Because I know there's like, you know, the casinos have their, they seem to have some type of lock on all the, the, uh, the big names that come in. But now we've got. Uh, the Stress Factory in Bridgeport yeah, opened Bridgeport, up in the last yeah. year or so. What's the yeah. scene like right now? What's like the state of the of the Connecticut uh, stand-up comedy scene? Yeah, I mean, Connecticut's always been very scattered. Uh, you have your, your chain clubs like a Funny Bone, which you have up in Hartford, Manchester area. You have the Stress Factory just came in. Uh, you know, so that's their second site. They're out of New Jersey. Uh, and then you have the casino, you got the comics name on that. Um, and they run a bunch of, uh, shows at a lot of craft breweries around the state as well. So they're not just their one club. Uh, and then, you know, th then you got some independent guys like uh, Treehouse comedy. They do shows all I, over the state. You know, I was going to say, uh, we got to mention Brad Axelrod cause, uh, it, he helps me out with interviews every once in a while. And let me see. Oh, Artie. Yeah? He got me into the Artie Lang show. So I'm forever indebted to, uh, Brad Axelrod. I don't want him. To, oh, I, I don't you want see him at the strand. Yeah. He was great. It's so yeah. sad what happened after, but, uh, I know I thought he turned such a corner you know, being on crashing and starting touring again and, you know, yeah, but it's tough. Addiction is tough. Yeah. What'd you think of crashing, by the way, the stand-up comedy HBO show that got canceled, I guess, for another season of, uh, you know, teenage girls on ecstasy. I, I, I don't, I don't get what they're doing, but what'd you think? You're not of that into show? euphoria. That's I mean, I tried favorite? watching one or two episodes. I'm 45 years old. I just, I don't have time. I just, whatever. I'm 37 and I'm still with you. So it's All fine. Right. I'm into it. Uh, I'm into the idea of it, but that's obviously uh, not my scene. I'm I'm stuck watching Mindhunter. I'm I'm too focused on oh, serial killers. You know the it's good stuff. So good, but did it's did, so good. did did you identify with Crashing in any way? Do you think it accurately portrayed uh, the life of a up and coming or freshman or very green stand up comic? Yeah, I, I think so, and especially it's very it's extremely true to uh pete holmes i love his podcast i listen to you made it weird i have listened to it for years and it was nice to kind of you get very personal with some of these podcasts because mm. they open their lives up to you so much that you kind of hear their backstory so it's interesting to watch it like you heard it on a podcast and now you're watching it unfold on hbo 
but it, it is it's it's got a lot of the elements that we go through a lot of the the boredom the self-doubt the you know the constant you know jockeying for position the jealousy the the tough uh the toughness in in terms of like keeping a relationship you know when you have these odd hours and this and and you like we're such weird we're like stray dogs we're like such we're, we're such a particular beast uh, of people or stand-up comedians and to be honest podcasters are too for for a different thing you know it's like we talk in different tones like I, I heard on a podcast recently it was well put like comedians for, for everything we're in such a sensitive time like if mm. you see Twitter and yes. all these other people like getting into wars over words constantly and people dissecting comedian sets it's like we're way worse off stage than we are on stage and mm. on stage we're constantly trying to push the envelope because comedians just don't care we just don't care about most things like as soon as like if another comedian friend of mine has something bad happen to him it takes about a few minutes to be like man that's awful i'm so sorry to hear that and then a few minutes later you're gonna find the joke in it and you're gonna sit there and you're gonna crack jokes about the worst thing that happened to you that day hmm. so you know like we're just wired different you know and it's it's sometimes uh, alarming or jarring to the average person, but that's how most comedians are in my in my estimation. You know, you mentioned arguing with or, or people dissecting stuff and getting into wars all over Facebook and Twitter. I'm guilty of that a lot, you know, because sure. my job is online, so I pretty much live on Facebook and the misery that that can uh, cause. Absolutely. I mean, just today, I was, I mean, it was civil, but I was in a whole debate with somebody about uh, Tarantino's new movie, uh, Once Upon a Time in yeah, Hollywood. Yeah, I just saw that myself. Yeah, I, I mean, I loved it. I, I, you know, I got a little restless at times, but this person had the whole, you know, every controversy that's been brought up about the movie, this person uh, brought up and, and sort of agrees and identifies with. But sure. anyway, my point being, it's kind of what I love about podcasts is, I mean, you can only type so much in a Facebook thread or, you know, mm. on Twitter, you get kind of these and, and it quickly turns personal. Uh, you know, because things are interpreted differently and you end up just uh, attacking somebody or they're attacking you or, or right. like I do now, I just block and whatever. That's all I do. But sure. podcasts are so great. Even if you, people have different perspectives on something, it's a fully fleshed out, unfiltered uh, conversation. Is that one of the things that drives you to podcasting? Yeah, it's it's the, it's the main appeal, I think. I, I mean especially like coming from a background of like stand-up comedy and these other forms of media and everything else that I really like. I mean, podcasting is one of the true forms, especially the way, you know, a lot of the Connecticut ones are. You're free from the shackles of like, you're not beholden to, you know, sponsorships. You're not beholden to, you know, all these other influences. It's just the straight feelings that you're putting out there and, you know, and your audience you know, plays along with the game. A lot of times people interact with you on social or whatever, but they come to you because they want to listen to an unfiltered conversation about whatever you're into. And, and for mine, I mean, I come from a film background, so I wanted to, I'm, I'm doing stand-up comedy, but I also enjoy breaking down films with, with people and, 
and the Netflix one was a good opportunity to kind of, I could still do stand-up at night, I can watch these movies at home, and I can break them down, and I can bring people in and, and break all these movies down and still get the, the film side out of me as well. Yeah, you so, had mentioned you had mentioned you're working in television in some capacity now. Can I ask, like, or, or generally speaking, what you do as the day job? Uh, it's it's the boring side of television. It's the nine to five version of television. Um, I prefer not to say which network because sometimes that gets me in trouble. But how uh, tall is is a uh, Jerry Springer? You can tell us, <laughs> it... please. If that if those were the people, I wouldn't have any <laughs> qualms. If they had a problem with my life, man, I'd be struggling <laughs> as a human being. Uh, well, that's, that's fine. A, that's a tough bar. You yeah. you don't have to go into it. So it's it's production you're in. You're in production of some kind. Just leave it at that. Yeah, broadcast. broadcast. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. I'm, I'm just looking. It's like we've been talking for 16 minutes or so, and I haven't even gotten to the topic of your podcast because I'm a terrible podcaster. But no, whatever. Hey, That's man. it. Uh, so the Netflix original movies, like I said uh, before, it's such a great idea for a podcast that. because, uh, I mean, it's like they have a new movie now uh, every other day. So talk a little bit about... Uh, how the idea came about. I mean, you sort of already talked about it a little bit, but then the format of the show, do you bring guests in? What can people expect if they uh, look it up on iTunes or the Stitcher or whatever? Sure. Uh, I, I I had the idea for it because start, I started to, I listen to a lot of podcasts that break down not only movies, but like the movie industry. And you can really start to see there was a, a shift in what Netflix was doing and, and other streaming services, but particularly Netflix, they were their focus and their their money is going heavily into, you know, trying to get these Oscar movies or they're trying to make a big these big event movies and trying to really change the conversation to to streaming. And you started to see it uh, I started the podcast in December of last year. And you really started to see, and it came along really quickly, uh, with movies like Roma was up for Best Picture, and mm. it's a Netflix movie. And you're starting to see that they're trying to do these big-time movies. Like, even though the movie's not good, like Will Smith and Bright uh, was one of the biggest things that they did where they threw a bunch of money at this huge sci-fi action movie with Will Smith. And it's like, wow, okay. Like, that normally would have been like a summer movie in a theater, but now you're seeing it straight to your home in Netflix. And and they keep doing this. Like in the next few months, they have, you know, movies from Scorsese. They have another Stephen King adaptation. They have a Steven Soderbergh movie. Uh, you know, they have the new Eddie Murphy movie. Like there's so many things they have going on and a few more like Oscar bait movies uh, as the months come too that, they keep doing this and it's very exciting to see. And it's obviously it's I, when I wanted to do a podcast, I didn't want to do another cause everybody's like, Oh, there's so many movie podcasts and that's absolutely true. Yeah. But, I, but I wanted to do one that if you're going after this, this narrow niche thing, I want to be the guy. I want to be the expert. I want to be the thing. And coming from a film background, I wanted to bring in all the people that, like a lot of people that I knew who were like writers, directors, cinematographers, people that I knew in the industry and could bring them in and then also flesh out with uh, 
more podcasters that I know who are really well versed in movies or, you know, uh, obviously fellow comedians as well. So there's a lot to, a lot to offer. I hope with my podcast where you can really get a good conversation, a fun conversation. Uh, but obviously, uh, you know, a lot of deep knowledge on there too, hopefully. So, so let me ask you when you bring in one of these cinematographers or one of these film, uh, type people I do. I mean, this is navel gazing a, a weekly talk show for an online newspaper. But right. I also, I also host like, uh, an R rated, uh, horror movie podcast that I try yeah, to hide. Mobile horror companion, yeah, right? I try to hide that sort of from the Valley okay. Indie crowd. Eventually, it'll be used again. No, I'm bringing it up. It's I'm very conflicted. I should do yeah. a podcast about my my how conflicted I am between these two worlds. Uh, I'm basically a giant phony. But one of the guys who does the mobile horror companion with us. Uh, it's just me and three other guys. They, and they're working, you know, one guy's a special effects makeup artist. He's he, That's his daily job. Every day he's in Brooklyn doing whatever. Uh, Excellent. And then the other guy is a screenwriter, and he sold a screen, uh, screenplay for uh, uh, big bucks to whatever studio. But, nice. now he's going to be mad, but maybe he'll probably never listen to us, the screenwriter I'm talking about. He <laughs> in my he sort of hedges his bets when we talk about movies, though, because I, I have the, this is my, I could be co- completely wrong here. I, I should just say that. I think he, he, he sort of takes a middle-of-the-road stance uh, on a lot of movies because he's in the industry and mm. he doesn't want to step on toes. Do, do you ever have that uh, with some of these uh, Rat Fink uh, movie guys you have on as uh, guest hosts <laughs> or, or no? Uh, I think I think so. Certain ones, because there there are people who are more in the industry than not. You know, mm. there are levels of commitment in terms of the career, and there's also depending on the position too, because mm. you never wanna, you never know who you're gonna work with. So if you're on, you know, taking some take where it's like, oh, I think this movie wasn't this actor's best performance, and then three weeks later you're working with that guy on a movie, and you're like, oh. Yeah, you know, not to say like you know a big time, you know, uh, person is listening to my Rinky Dink Netflix podcast, but at the same time, you know, can Google a guy, and it's you so never easy. know what pops up. Right, so. it's so easy these days. You got to kind of be careful with everything you say. Sure. Uh, so your first episode was uh, that Kurt Russell plays Santa. What was it? The Christmas movie, right? Whatever it was called, or. Uh, yeah, it was one of the first, I think it was maybe the second, but it was uh, Christmas Chronicles. Yeah. Kurt Russell. All right. So I know, uh, I hope I'm not giving away anything private. I know you have a, uh, young daughter and, or son. I'm not sure which. I have both. Okay. You have both. I have a daughter and a son. My daughter going into first grade was obsessed with that movie and oh, yeah. it, I was almost brought to tears by how awful I hated every minute of that movie. I just, what was your take on it? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a twofold thing. It's you can see that Russell is fully committed, and he's really good, and he even has like not only is Goldie Hawn in it at the end, spoiler, uh, but uh, it's not a big part of the movie. But like, I don't Goldie even think Hawn... I knew that. Maybe I had just zoned out. <laughs> I was yeah, lobotomized by the claws at the end. Oh, okay. It's like the last five minutes of the movie. It's I don't think I ever made it all the small. way. I don't think I ever made it all the way through. But I'm sorry, I'm rudely interrupting again. Go I ahead. don't blame you. <laughs> but uh, also, um, I believe their son, or maybe one of their previous marriages' son. I think it might have been Goldie Hawn's son. Um, 
she he's also in the movie. So like they got like extra bonus stuff, made it kind of a family affair for a family movie, and I appreciated that. But at the end of the day, like you know, it's another it's another corny Christmas movie, and you know the the sad part is the bar is so low for Christmas movies that like this one got a tremendous amount of play because you've got a, an amazing actor and Kurt Russell playing Santa, but then the rest of the movie is just largely dumb with a ton of plot holes. And, and, and so that brings me to I'm totally biased in this conversation. You know, I know it's it's now very uh, in vogue uh, to call all reporters biased, but I'm going to admit I am fully. Uh, bias here because I have a certain opinion about these made for Netflix movies uh, in general, but I okay. haven't I haven't watched nearly as many as you have. As someone who views these things, uh, watches them closely, uh, does has has discussions about them. Yeah. Uh, for however many episodes since December uh, 2018, is there any pattern to the quality of mm. these? Movies as someone who is now an expert on uh, Netflix movies. There are definitely some movies that feel like a made-for-TV movie, which mm. you can you can kind of glean. You know, obviously Netflix is more TV than a movie house, so obviously you're going to see that kind of quality sometimes. And especially a lot of times, what they do uh, Netflix is they'll take like someone who's successful in TV as like either a producer, writer, or director, and they'll give them an opportunity to make their first movie. And a lot of times you'll see that happen. So it doesn't, it feels more like television. It doesn't feel as cinematic. So sometimes you get these movies that just kind of feel like a long episode of TV. Hmm. Um, But then you also have these amazing, you know, auteurs in like, uh, Quaron making Roma, or you're going to have a Scorsese movie coming up, or Steven Soderbergh had a, one movie already and now has another uh, in a couple of months. Uh, Noah Baumbach has a couple of movies. Like you have these tremendous guys. I think it's all in the team that they assigned to it. Some of these are really good, really quality movies, but it's slow. It, it sometimes is, you know, it's. You'll be like, hey, you want to see the worst movie by this really good director? Here you go. But then sometimes, then sometimes you get very surprised. Like, you know, I hadn't probably watched a a really good Steven Soderbergh movie in a while, but High Flying Bird that he did back in February or March or whatever is is tremendous. It's great. I, I did it's, not see that. I, you know what? I wasn't even aware of that. So see, yeah, that's. That's the other thing with my podcast. I'm trying to like keep people because you're seeing this shift where it's like, hey, where did that really good director go? Well, half the time they're on streaming, and a lot of times they're on Netflix now. So you know, there there are good things to go find if you know where to look. And I would hope that people can come to my podcast and kind of know like, oh, really? Like, like there was a Chris Evans movie a couple weeks ago that we did. And I didn't hear a lot of people talking about it online, mm. and yet it's Chris Evans. He's it's his first movies post MCU, post Marvel, and you know, and that's that's a huge deal to me. And yet, you know, 
it got largely overlooked. And, and that's one of the things that makes me a little crazy about Netflix, but also good for you to have a podcast like this. Because right. I, I, I mean, the fact that Soderbergh had a movie and I wasn't aware of it, I'm not. I mean, I'm pretty aware of movies, you know. I mean, I don't, right, yeah. I don't play sports. I don't watch sports. Pretty much, movies and Fortnite are my, and Friday the Thirteenth, the video game. That's my entire life. You know what I mean? And <laughs> in addition to feeding and clothing the kids, but Netflix, whatever they put in front of me, you know what I mean? I that's yeah. like I get the evil conspiracy side of uh, of me that comes out. You know, and I don't know what they're putting in front of me. I'm constantly right. getting you know Danish dark horror movies of some or the, whatever <laughs> kind of series they're doing. I'm missing. I feel like I'm, there's a whole other Netflix out there that right. for some reason it's a club I can't get into. I don't get access to uh, all those movies. But today there was actually some Netflix original movie uh, news as we record this. On yeah. uh, August twenty seventh, uh, the Irishman is Scorsese's or Scorsese's or whatever his name is. Scorsese's yeah. big uh, next movie. It reunites De Niro right. and Joe Pesci, and then you know uh, Al yeah. Pacino. I, I Pacino, almost yeah. I hesitate to say Al Pacino because you know he's going to be over the top in that. I just like uh, he's not what he was. But, yeah, but you just saw him in Once Upon a Time, and I thought he was really good there. So, but what else can Al Pacino do nowadays than being like, ah? You know, he has to be, every character he has has to be a loud, obnoxious jerk. I, I, what happened to Serpico? What happened to Serpico, Al? Hey, but, man. Yeah, nuance is not his thing. No, not anymore. like 1981. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. It ended with uh, Injustice for All, I guess. But uh, uh, I guess... That's possibly true. I guess the news is that the theaters, you know, there's this like uneasy alliance between Netflix and movie theater chains. And I guess the chains wanted to put the Irishman in theaters for longer than Netflix wanted. So a giant movie, you know, the De Niro and Pesci and and Scorsese reuniting for the first time since Casino is only going to be in a few theaters. What's your uh, take on Does it even matter at this point uh, anymore? What's your take on it? I think that's kind of the point and, and, and that it doesn't matter. And that like, there are certain things that I truly would love to see in the theaters and they're doing these short runs. Unfortunately, it's largely New York, LA just to kind of get it uh, in theaters for the Oscar push. Cause you know, there's requirements in terms of having it out, mm. but, but most movie theaters want a movie to sign a commitment to have, like a three-month window, especially if it's something big like that. Even though traditionally movies don't last that long. You know, like you have to be a pretty good movie to last for three months in the theaters these days. Right. But but they they want these full commitments from Netflix to like put the movies out for a long time before they go to the streaming service. And Netflix is like, we're we're spending all this money. Uh, A quick summation of the the Irishman thing that movie was in the hands of the studios this was supposed to be a movie that was going to have that kind of a run they messed it up they dropped the ball they didn't want to give Scorsese the money that he wanted and he just said no I'm gonna leave and Netflix picked the ball up like they were the only people who were like yeah that sounds fine and they gave him his money so it's as simple as that. Like, so, you know, if you want to play hardball with a big time director who produces results, you might get, you know, taken over by Netflix. Mm. They, they don't care. They, they want that grab. They want that Oscar bait. They want to win that award so bad 
they got so close with Roma, they want to keep going. So, yeah, you snooze, you lose, man. Like, a lot of these things, I, in doing this podcast, I'll tell you, there are so many of that story with these Netflix movies. It's, oh, this movie was on the blacklist. Nobody would pick it up. Why not? Netflix just did. Bam, it's now out. Uh, you know, or, hey, this was at Paramount. This was at Sony. This was at this. And then they threw it in the trash. And Netflix scooped it out and made a pretty good movie out of it. So, like, you never know what what the story is with these things. And the same thing happened with uh, Adam Sandler. They signed that huge deal with Adam Sandler that they re-upped to. And they keep making all these movies. Now, you can say whatever you like about Adam Sandler. But, <laughs> but he, he was basically losing money for the studio. So they were like, yeah, we don't want to do that anymore. And then Netflix threw a bunch of money. And this is all he does now. Yeah, his, so it's pretty amazing. Rob, hey, somebody's got to hire Rob Schneider. Exactly, he has to play some uh, different ethnicity every movie that he's in to make you question what he actually is or what is going on here. Hey, <laughs> now what are uh, in all your episodes or all you viewing of these Netflix original movies? Give me a couple of give me like your top three mm. uh, Netflix original flicks. Yeah. Or whatever, whatever is like in your, at the top of your mind right now. I know I don't, sure. I don't want to back you into a corner. Sure. Um, well, like I said, like Roma's good, but it's it's a classic Oscar movie where it's like okay, it's black and white. It's got subtitles. It's you know. You lost uh, me already. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's black tough. and white subtitles. It's I know tough. I should see it, but yeah, one it's of one of those days. movies that I'm like, yeah, that was really good. I'm never gonna watch it again. <laughs> so it's a classic Oscar bait movie in that regard. Um, but as far as like good, rewatchable, you know, quality movies, like I said, High Flying Bird, the the Steven Soderbergh movie is really good. Um, the uh, the Fire Festival documentary that they did is incredible. Oh yeah, yeah, I did. I watched that. It was that was awesome. Yeah, that's so well produced. Uh, they had a great team on that one. Uh, I, I'd probably say in more recent movies, uh, I enjoyed The Perfection. Uh, it's a little wacky, but it's a, it's a pretty good horror flick done kind of in a newer De Palma style. Oh wait, who's, who's in that? Is that the one where the uh, they're chopping each other's arms off or something like that? The... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly. Oh, it. you know, I watched uh, that on fast forward just for the gore. Yeah, no, it's totally worth. I mean, there's not a ton of gore, but there's uh, there's some scenes out there where who's in uh, that? I, I can't, I can't. I'm uh, Allison blind. Williams, who oh. was in Get Out and, and uh, from Girls. Girls. Oh yeah, yeah. okay, Brian Williams kid. All right, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, shout out to Connecticut, uh, Pride of Connecticut, the Williams over there. Pride? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. All right, uh, <laughs> all right. So the, now, now name a couple of awful ones. What are some of the 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 ones that you were just like, this is hard Oof. to sit through? Uh, I, the most recent awful one I saw was, and this should come as no shock when this comes out of my mouth, but the uh, Rim of the World. Uh, it's the latest Mick G movie. What? I, uh, I, I, you have known so much more than me. What is that? That is a terrible attempt at trying to do a Stranger Things meets Stand By Me-ish type movie. Uh, and if you're not familiar with McGee, he was a music video director in the 90s. He did the uh, Charlie's Angels franchise movies. Oh, okay, okay. He, yeah, so he, uh, he did the awful Terminator one with uh, 
with Christian Bale. Um, he's got a lot of iffy movies or bad movies on his ledger, and you know he decided to make kind of like a like I said that kind of it's a it's an alien invasion movie with like young kids at a summer camp, and it is awful. It's one of the worst movies I've seen in a while. Um, and then uh, they tried to do a, a movie based on a graphic novel, Polar, with Mads Milkison. Oh, okay. And, uh, yep. and um, it is brutally bad. Like, it's funny, because I, I made fun of it on the podcast saying, is this a McG movie? This is really bad. And then the next McG movie comes out, I'm like, wait, 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 pump the brakes, McG is actually way worse. <laughs> I, I do pick up a, like a pattern of some of these uh, Netflix movies. It's almost like there will be a uh, whatever that movie was with the guy from The Office that came out and made a billion dollars out of nowhere, uh, where he lost the whole concept. I, I, I'm drawing a blank on the title, but where he he it was a horror movie where he lost one of his senses, like he couldn't talk because oh, they would be. You're talking about a quiet place. A quiet place. Then yeah. I saw a Netflix within the next, I don't know, six, seven months. There were 19,000 Netflix movies where, like, somebody lost the sense of smell and somebody yes. else, like, lost the ability to taste salt. And there were all these different yeah. – do you, do you see patterns like that? It's almost like oh, sort time. of – okay, so that does – yeah, it's, it's almost like – Yeah, when Bird Box came out and yes. people lost their mind, it was like you realize they just ripped off A Quiet Place for the most part. And they're, and they're big – and it's kind of a mix of a – a Quiet Place and The Happening, which is not a movie you want to rip off even the slightest because it's got awful. Wait, is that the and, M. Night Shyamalan yes. Ding Dong? Uh, yes. The Trees, yes, Wind in the Trees. Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it's got some of those aspects, or at least the feel of it, and uh, it's it's not good. And I didn't like Bird Box much at all, but it it's funny that they're, they're, their excuse at the time, uh, the people who made the movie, they're like, well... We wrote the script before The Happening and A Quiet Place came out because it was based on a book. And I was like, yeah, but that should just tell you you shouldn't make it because you, it passed your time. You had a window. You could have been original, but then you weren't. So don't make the movie. But then Netflix was like, well, we got algorithms that say people will watch it. And then people people will definitely click it. Yeah. And it's got Sandra Bullock. All right, fine. And then it became this phenomenon and uh, it's it's amazing. It's that one is the most listened to episode I have because it became such a phenomenon. Oh wow, no kidding! So, uh, do you have a bunch of episodes uh, in the can already that you've uh, recorded that you want to mention in the next couple? I'll, I'll probably air this or publish this uh, not tomorrow, but the day after tomorrow, whatever that is, twenty ninth. Right. So, is there anything coming out? And again, how when, when does the podcast uh, come out and all that good stuff? Um. I used to try to be very consistent with it. I got to say, uh, cause, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, life happens a little bit where, yeah. you know, I just, I just moved. Uh, I was living out of my mother-in-law's for like a while. So like Oof. stuff slowed down a little bit to where I got, I didn't get so fine about, you know, trying to crank out one every week. So now I'm trying to be specific, like, okay, this movie is a story. So I'm going to do this or I'm going to work on some kind of project, which, um, I'm trying to start a new series because Netflix is in kind of a down period before the end of September. So uh, I decided to start up a like a, a revision of what Netflix did in their first year. So I'm calling it like Netflix Year One. Oh no, kidding! Uh, That's fascinating. Yeah. So I just recorded the first one of those uh, actually with my brother, uh, who is the host of the FOJ Live podcast. 
um, and uh, my buddy Peter Angelo, who's a comedian, and we actually did talk about Adam Sandler's first year on Netflix because he did Ridiculous Six and The Do-Over in the first year. So we kind of go over those movies, talk about the the fact that he got a deal on what Adam Sandler means to you now versus maybe when you were a kid, hmm. uh, you know, and, and, you know, did we kind of age out of Sandler, those type of questions. Um, so that, I, that one uh, should come out soon. I'm working on editing that one. So that'll come out soon. Uh, and then, like I said, like there's uh, some other bigger movies coming up real soon. Like even uh, the between two ferns movie is coming out. I'm a big Zach Galifianakis fan. I, I don't so, know how are they making that into a movie, but man, that was a great uh, oh, show. Oh yeah, it's such a fun thing, and, and it's basically like it's it's a meta movie because it's like Scott Ackerman from uh, Comedy Bang Bang. Okay. Who, uh, he's directing it and wrote it with Galifianakis, and it's kind of like just uh, hey, you know, this show existed, and then he realizes that he's now a laughing stock to people because the episodes <laughs> got online. And so he goes around the country trying to like rehab his, you know, his journalistic uh, integrity. Oh, it's going to be so weird. Yeah. It's going to be weird. Awesome. So, but I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully a lot of, I heard like Letterman might be in it and like a lot of random cameos will come through. So hopefully uh, it's at least fun. That's what I'm hoping for. So All right. We'll see. And Andrew, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to me. Uh, and just before we go, give out your social media stuff uh, again. And it's the Nomcast, right? The Nomcast. I got that. Yeah, right. Yeah, the Nomcast. Yep. So you can find uh, the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at NomcastPod, uh, and then you can find me at Jokes on Drew on Twitter and Instagram as well. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I appreciate the time, man. This was great. For hundreds of years we've brought you the news For the info we gave you the clues Owners' profits were always sky high Changing market now threatens our lives Post literation Critical reading, dumb down nation, signs have been breeding. TV sucking ideas from our head. Public discourse, just about dead. We'll ride the dinosaur. Yeah, ride the dinosaur. Our readers are in the opens each day. Online clickbait, a brilliant way. It's free information. We'll ride the dinosaur We'll ride the dinosaur
Dinosaur. 